Hi, and welcome to the 30th episode of Dreamers and Doers, where I interview people who follow their passion and try to use it to make it a better world and to have a good impact in the world. And I think that's you, Michel Levy. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Although both of you and I are in our own location, so we didn't actually yeah. travel anywhere, but nice to see you on the opposite side of the world. Yeah, you're in California, right? It's Thursday for I'm you. In, I'm in Silicon Valley, yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. And I actually watched your TED Talk, and congrats on it, because it was uh, really, really interesting. I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the video and the podcast. And oh, beautiful. That, Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. No, it And uh, in that TED Talk, you talk about uh, thought leadership. And can you explain a bit to people what you mean by thought leadership and why it matters? Oh, sure. So maybe, the, sorry, the interesting maybe how you got into it too, and in the first place. Yeah. Okay, we'll step back then. Uh, let's see. Uh, during the dot com days, I was I've been in Silicon Valley for thirty years. So during the dot com days, I was called by people, Mister E Commerce. So I I largely went into corporations and helped the CEO, the VP of operations, understand that this new technology was going to happen to help us see the world in a different way, to be able to talk more directly with our customers, be able to change the supply chains in terms of how we did business. And part of it then is we still lived in the world at that stage where the thought leaders during the dot-com days was still very similar to the types of thought leaders we had during the industrial age. And I, so what, let me tell you the what I the, Well, the, uh, the dot the uh, dot com was sort of around 1997 to 2001. Okay. So that was, that was the, it was around 1995 is when uh, Mark Andreas uh, brought to the world Mosaic. Mosaic was when we first started thinking about the internet. So it was the first web browser that allowed us to actually access the internet. The internet's been around for a number of years before that, but it was actually being able to touch the internet and interact with it uh, via the web that allowed us to start thinking about its capabilities. Okay. So what I said, and, and, and even then, what, what is a thought leader? So let's define what thought leadership is and, and why am I involved? Why am I interested? Uh, I'll fast forward to the end and we'll go back at the end today. If you're not a thought leader, if you're not an influencer, if you're not a person who's recognized as an expert of who you are, uh, you don't exist. Sorry. So mm. let's, let's back up. <laughs> so in the old days, let's think about the world of the industrial age, the industrial society, where our thought leaders were actually brought to us by the publishing companies, the broadcast media, the publishers. Mm. We were actually told who we were going to see on the big screen, who we were going to read as books, who we were going to listen to as music. And those were our thought leaders. And because uh, the company would spend so much money putting a thought leader out there, they wanted only one in one thought leader in a genre, in a niche. And so that person needed to know everything. They needed to create books. Uh, we published this book, but they needed to create books like this, 100,000 words, took three years to write. They truly were the quintessential generalist within their area of special specialization. So what happened is the internet came along and everyone is doing what we have now. We, we have a camera, we have a microphone. Everyone we have the ability start to, the podcast. 
Anyone can start a podcast just like this one. Some of us are successful like you and some of us are not successful, right? But it doesn't mean it's bad. So what happens is if you want to get your brand out there, you now have the tools, the democratization of the ability for you to put the tools, put your message, put your thoughts out there is now available to everybody. All right, that's really cool. So what's interesting is the thought leaders of the past were given to us by the corporations. Nowadays, the people, we're making our own thought leaders. We're making our own experts. So what I, what I now call a thought leader is I will use the term synonymously with the word recognize expert. So here's what it comes down to. If I see a surfboard back there, if you want to learn about surfing, what do you do? You, you go to YouTube, you Google, yeah. you watch surf magazines, That's you end up finding, that. yeah, you end up finding a couple of people you like, you start watching them, you start listening to them. If you want to learn and you could get educated from them, you'll buy their courses, right? In anything you do in business, you know, if I want to learn about SEL, I'll go to the SEL experts. If I want to learn about funnels through Facebook, I'll go to experts. So what happens is people have figured out how to develop their expertise. And now we have so many more experts out there. The best way I could think about this is when you were a kid and you were growing up, your thought leader was mom or dad. When you had a cold, who did you turn to? Mom or dad, because they were the ones who could help you get better. Mm -hmm. So now when you're in business and you want to do something different, who do you turn to? So for me, my title, what I say I do is I turn I empower, turn is not the right word, I empower experts, thought leaders, and companies to share their genius, and I do it through the ability for us to ghostwrite books for them. And so when people say, hey, I'd like to share my genius, or I'd like to do a book, or I'd like to be a recognized expert, or, or I'll hold up this book, this is a book that I wrote to compliment my TED Talk, I want to be seen or be heard as a thought leader, or think of it, I want to be seen or heard as a recognized expert in my space. I want people to think, at least the audience that I want to address, I want them to think Mitchell Levy, right? So a thought leader or a recognized expert is who you turn to when you have an issue. And a lot of times what's fascinating is we'll turn to a friend. So if you have a particular issue in a particular way and you know a friend that solved that, you're going to call your friend and you're going to say, hey, listen, how did you do this? Or what did you do? Or how can I do it? Or what software do I need to buy? Or who do I need to pay? right? That's how we act today. So now your recognized expert, your thought leader is not standing on top of a mountain telling you what to do, someone who's not touchable. Your recognized expert is at the bottom of the mountain helping you climb up. So in many cases, you could talk to your experts, you could talk to your recognized thought leaders, right? And all of a sudden, the term has changed because if I don't want a generic answer that works for everyone, I want the answer that works for me. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's really interesting. And so you talked about the, the books and we'll dive into this uh, a, a little bit. Do you think having a book is the best way to be recognized as an expert on a certain subject? Well, there are many different ways to be recognized. Um, having a podcast that has thousands or tens of thousands or millions of views, uh, having a video cast that does that, uh, uh, also an amazing way. One of the benefits of a book is since the Bible, since the Gutenberg press, 
we have looked at this concept of a book as, as carrying truth. We have this concept of a mm. book that if somebody spent the time to put their thoughts together and publish a book, whether they self-publish or somebody else published, that book says, hey, you're an expert in your space. So to answer your question, it's not the only way to go, but it is absolutely one of the best. And when I talk about a book, what we focus on, we don't focus on cookbooks or poetry or life stories. The book that I think about, the book that I care about, the book that I want to, to write for you is the book where if you have a customer base that has a concern, has an issue, has a problem, mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley, we call it a point of pain. If you have a customer base that has a pain point, if that's what you're solving in a business, what I want to do is write a book that talks about that point of pain, yeah. right? So I kind of referenced it before. If you want to be seen and be heard as a thought leader, that's your point of pain. And hey, you should talk to Mitchell Levy. Um, mm. This particular book called Mingle, The Art of Face-to-Face -face Networking in Digital Era. The two authors run a done-for-you meetup service. Their job, they're running 133 meetings per month in the United States. So what they did is they wrote a book on, hey, if you're going to come to one of our meetings, you might as well figure out how, how can you network and interact when you're actually shaking hands and, and have to look at somebody's eyes and give them attention, right? Mm -hmm. So this is an asset that drives more attention to who they are. It's a pain point mm -hmm. they solve. I'll just show you one more. Notice one of the things, oh, you know, I'm going to show you two more. We do hardcover as well because hardcover mm -hmm. adds value. Uh, this guy, Eddie Turner, Eddie mm -hmm. actually helps emerging leaders be more successful. And so his book says, hey, 140 simple messages to guide emerging leaders. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do, Alex, is is really cool, is we create books in the format that people want to consume data. So our books have okay. 140 bite-sized quotes. Uh, you'll notice that our books are printed in color so that when you open up a book like this, you're like, oh, this is really powerful. Oh, and I, of course, I turn to a page where a picture is not very colorful, but mm -hmm. you have a blog post on one side, a color picture on another, and I'll turn and I'll show you my, my last book. And what happens is I also have, for those interested, I have a platform called Aha That. Mm -hmm. Aha That has 750,000 users who it's free to use, free to share. So if you just go to ahatthat.com, you mm -hmm. now have access to 47,000 aha messages that you could share on social media. So part what, of being- What do you call a aha message? Oh, ah, great question. <laughs> An aha message is something that's 200, at Twitter size, so something that's 280 characters or less, seven seconds or so to read, and it helps transform who you are. So let me tell you about, thank you for asking, by the way. I, let me tell you about Bill Wallace and his book, and then I'll read an aha message from it. So Bill's book, Being a Catalyst for Success, he is probably the, the biggest servant leader I've ever met in my life. He runs a group. He's been running it for the last 30 years in Dallas, Texas, called Success North Dallas. And he's been trying to write a book for four or five years. And so what we were able to do is be able to write a book and as you can tell the color on the inside um beautiful aha messages but let me read my favorite quote my favorite aha message uh from phil's from from his book and 
the way to think about aha that is underneath, I'm going to read you message number three, in the platform underneath each one of these messages is a button for Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. So if you liked this message, Alex, and you wanted to share this message exactly as is with your audience, um, it is easy to do because you just go to the website and you click on the button. So it's AHA number three. It's from Bill Wallace. It's from his book, Being a Catalyst for Success. And it says, living a good life is determined by the smiles that appear on the faces of others every time they see you. And they keep that smile after you've gone. What a nice life if you can walk into a room and people's smiles light up and you walk out and they're still there. I mean, what a beautiful life. So that's what he talks about is uh, one of the things when I was doing the interview with Bill that was so fascinating, and I'll, I'll just read you one more message afterwards, is as I'm talking to Bill for a while and I'm hearing his stories what I said to Bill is, Bill, you're one of the most glass half full persons I've ever met in my life. I mean, just amazing, right? Bill turns to me immediately and says, Mitchell, that's not true. So I'm sitting here, I'm going, I don't understand. I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what could he say? What does it mean? He goes, mm-hmm. Mitchell, I'm not glass half full. I am glass overflowing. My job in life is to give, give, give to everyone I can. And I'm just full of what I need to do to be able to share with others. And it, to me, that would have, was a quintessential aha moment for me mm. because I always thought there were just glass half empty and glass half full. I now have three categories. Mm. There's a glass overflowing. And it changes your perspective when you see people who are glass overflowing. When somebody's glass overflowing, you're like, hey, you never take anything for yourself. Can I help you? Mm. Let me give you something. Is it what you call also like a breakthrough moment? So, yeah, an aha moment is whether the light bulb goes off. It's that opportunity. Now, by the way, some people think that happens to them once in a lifetime. Aha moments happen every single day if you're paying attention to them. It's when you just think about the world in a slightly different way. Um, let me read to you my, this is my favorite aha message from the book I wrote. So I'm going to read to you aha, aha number four. And, I, and I'll actually, for those who are watching, I'll show it as well. And what it says is good thought leaders are at the top of the mountain. Great thought leaders are at the bottom of the mountain helping others climb up. So what makes that an aha message is when you hear something like that, first you ask yourself, well, am I a good thought leader or am I a great thought leader? Am I a thought leader at all? Okay, am I at the top of the mountain shouting down messages or am I at the bottom of the mountain helping other people be successful, right? And if a single five or seven second soundbite can encourage you to have mm-hmm. all those feelings and thoughts, it's an aha. Um, I have a quick question also on the, the book you just showed. There are lines where people can write. So um, what's, what's the point of this? Is it to, to write down your... It's to, let's say you're a public speaker. Um, oh, here's a good one. So aha number 96. What it says is transform a negative attitude into a positive one. You'll live a happier life. So if I'm a public speaker, right, and let's say I'm in front of an audience and everyone has a copy of my book, Mm -hmm. I might turn to them and say, hey, 
why don't you turn to this page, look at AHA 96, and write down an opportunity today or yesterday or this week where you could have okay. turned a, yeah. Yeah. right? I think that's really cool. Like when I read um, Awakening the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, uh, there was sometimes, you know, like Tony Robbins goes like, okay, now think about your values and classify them and their lines in the book. So they make you do the work which made the, the book way more powerful. So it's cool to do, to do uh, books like, like this. It's how it reinforces for you. It's how you reinforce the learning. Um, and then, so... Yeah, what I really like with books is very universal. So personally, I do online courses because I feel like it gives me more liberty, freedom to do like include videos, to include assessments and things like this. Um, what, yeah, do you think, like, could you think that books are maybe getting replaced by these online courses or not really? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Um, from... Let's just go back to the 1990s or even uh, early 2000 when uh, the 2000s when Amazon came around and everyone said physical books are going away. Everything will be ebooks. So here's what I'm going to tell you. The concept called a book is not going away, period. I, lo I love physical books. Now, but I will tell you that for many people, the, what a book is used for is changing. So in the older days, in, in, in the uh, 2000s and before, you would write a book and ha ha that book would be transformational. That would be the subject matter piece that covered everything. It would be the one that you would set your curve on, set your movement on. It would be educational. You'd have to sit down and sometimes it would take months to read through a book. Mm -hmm. That's not what we do today. And actually, when I tell people who want to start a movement, who want to transform the world, I tell them to do what you do. So what's interesting is you create a book that is more of a piece that demonstrates you're an expert of what you are and who you are and what you do. And the book has a traditional platform and others to go out. And when you're the author of a Amazon best-selling book or an Amazon international, so I'm an international best-selling author of this book, that just sounds really good. Yeah. where I'm going to do my transformational work, where I'm going to help people get educated, live, live, live better lives or whatever it is that I do to help or what my authors do to help. That's going to happen either in the online course, which by the way, you could both charge more and it's more flexible, mm -hmm. or it could be the webinars that you run, or it could be the physical uh, coaching mm -hmm. that you do, or it could be in you fill in the blank. So mm -hmm. to me, the, the way in which people should be doing thought leadership in the types of things you do, you don't have to start with a book, but at some point in time, you need a book that says, here is the pain point I mm. solve, come and see me. That'll mm. attract more people. You want to learn more, grow more, learn, go to my course. Mm. You want some help to do it with you, go to my mastermind. You need individual co coaching, I have a higher package that can help coach with mm. you one-on-one. -on -one. Right. So from a coaching perspective, there's a natural progression. Each one of those has a, it sort of goes like this. Each one of them, it's a pyramid going up, has a smaller number of people that join and have a higher price point when you get to the top. Hmm. And um, how do you look at books? You know, if I write a book, for example, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I would, it would help for the social proof kind of side, but I would also 
not want to do it just for that, right? And to genuinely uh, help, help people. How do you find, um, let's say, maybe the nuance between like, of course you're going to do it to be recognized as an expert, but to do it from a higher purpose of contribution. And I'm not saying they, like, they, pro they can really go together, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, like, think they, I, I actually think they go together, Alex. I mean, yeah. the, let's say you have a approach to life it, just, and you to, do to, just to, to, to cut you off. And maybe I'm just wrong and maybe it's just, you know, a limiting belief, but like, sometimes I'm like, and we'll talk about the book later, but sometimes I like, well, just make sure you're not doing it, you know, just for that social proof. I see what you're saying. The, so here's the thing that's fascinating. The social proof also helps you expand your reach. The more reach you have, the more people you influence and the, the higher your message will become. Mm. So, so the answer is so, social proof itself is not bad. But let me also tell you what I do in this thing, in what we do. I'll do a two-hour interview and I'll pull the genius from your head. So the book is yours. But then I'm going to match you with a graduate from the AHA That Writing School who will do the writing. And they're going to write the manuscript, which has 140 bite-sized quilts and seven blog posts. So it's your content. It's your genius. And now it's put into format that people want to consume. You're going to have 140 bite-sized quilts, any one of which can capture somebody's attention. So the interesting part is your job with a book is the social proof and expanding your reach. And now here's also what's fascinating. Any one of those aha messages can also include links to other things like the top of the funnel of your, of your online courses or videos where you talk further. So one of the things that we did with, with Bill's book, which was, which was absolutely fun is if you want to hear and feel Bill at the end of each of the section summaries, we actually have a link to a video mm. where Bill gives a one to, one to two minute summary of what this section is, right? And so now what I think a book is not just a physical piece of paper or a ebook, which is a PDF, but you can either type in if you're physical, you're typing in. If you're ebook, you're clicking on the link and then you get into a video. And then of course, at the end of the video, you can be brought somewhere else. And mm. so it's, it's the overall notion of where do we want to learn? Where do we want to consume data? And you have to present the, the way in which people want to consume data in the different places they want to consume it. And a book obviously is one of them. Nice. And do you do, uh, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. actually, when I, most of the books I've read, are actually <laughs> books I've listened to. Do you make them in audiobooks too? So you cued me up really well. <laughs> so, so yes. And the, we have a platform, I just introduced it about two months ago called AHA That Radio. So if you go to AHA That Radio, A-H-A-T-H-A-T radio.com, what we do is we stream the, the authors that have read their own books, we stream their books 24 hours a day. So mm -hmm. if you want to be continually influenced by people who are sharing their AHA messages, we're playing those 24 hours a day. And cool. it's, 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 oh my God, it's so much fun. 
And so what happens is when the author, when the book is done and we go to press, we do an Amazon bestseller campaign. And then we sit with the author and we go, listen, would you like to read your book? And so it's, it's either myself or my partner will sit down and help the author read their book because it's, it has more oomph to it. If, if it has the author's voice, we can do voice actors as well. But I really like authors reading their own books. So you could, you're sort of feeling the personality of the author themselves. And so the actual aha book, because it's 140 aha messages, is about 30 minutes to listen to. But the problem for me, the problem of listening to an aha book is I'm, every time I listen to it, I'm getting all these aha messages. I want to stop it and, yeah. you know, write stuff down. And yeah. uh, my, just as an aside, one of my favorite audio books in, in the aha messages is 140 Irish Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And so we have, uh, uh, we have an Irish Proverbs book. And, and to listen to 140 Irish Proverbs at once, it's, it, it gives you a really good feeling to the, the culture and society. It's pretty powerful. Mm. Um, actually, I had a question on ghostwriting because you talked about the importance of the author reading uh, the book. Do, do you find that ghostwriting could be an issue with, like, I don't know, for example, when I create my online course, uh, even though I'm not a native English speaker, it's not going to be said in the best Shakespearean English. I prefer to go direct because I feel my message is way stronger if people feel it comes from me, you know. Don't you find that could be a problem with ghostwriting? So just like Thought Leader has many many ultimate definitions. Ghostwriting also has multiple definitions. Mm -hmm. So there's a concept of ghostwriting where the author says to the writer, I want a book on, and they fill in the blank and and the writer goes away and does their own thing. Okay. Okay? That's not the ghostwriting we do. Okay. So the ghostwriting specifically for aha that is, and we'll start off with, with what does it mean when I'm, when you and I are talking, a five-minute conversation, just an interactive conversation like this, will produce five or so aha messages. Mm-hmm. Right? By the way, that's an aha message. When we have a normal <laughs> conversation going back and yeah. forth, in five minutes, we'll produce well, I, five aha messages. Actually, right? one of my biggest breakthroughs was sometimes to get aha messages from just regular conversations with, with friends and thinking about oh, it later. Yeah, Isn't that the coolest thing in life. So what that means is you're actually listening when you're having a conversation Mm. and the presence that come to you come from so many different locations, right? So when I'm speaking with somebody, what, what I'm going to do for the interview, and right now it's, it's Mitchell Levy's the primary person doing the interviews. When I get way too busy, I'll, I'll create a certification program and have other people do it. Mm. So what I do is I actually listen. And what I'm going to listen to is what is the pain point you're trying to solve with your clients? And let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially, you're going to give me information and I'm going to ask questions for a two-hour period. And trust me, you're, you personally, you know, as, as somebody who's the author, you're going to have all these aha messages because in life, mm-hmm. people don't give you two hours of undivided attention. I'm giving mm-hmm. you two hours of undivided attention. <laughs> and what happens is when our authors, I'm sorry, when our ghostwriters are actually listening to the author's uh, verbiage, they're trying to keep it in the tone, in the voice, in the way the author actually presents information. Mm. 
And so when we submit the manuscript back to you, it's really your concepts and your terms. What I'm doing is I'm pulling out the best of your brain. I'm pulling out your genius. And then our writers are putting it into bite-sized formats. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> um, actually, well, let's talk about it. The, um, I had in mind doing a book, but be a bit different because I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. That's probably my uh, inspiration for starting a podcast and a lot of my personal growth journey. And I really love Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors. And the idea I have in mind is, uh, so I interview a lot of people that are 25 to 35 and that start following their passion that are not successful yet but that I think have developed the mindset to, to become uh, quite successful people. And I'd love to do, and I thought if I were to do a book now, it'd be probably something where I get the best from my interviews with these people to give inspiration to people who are around uh, this age. So yeah, what, what do you think of, uh, do you know a lot of books that are a bit like Tools of Titans or Tribe of Mentors, which are actually collection of others, other people's best insights? Uh, we, we do those all the time. So okay. I'll give you two examples. And yeah. by the way, when you pick up the four-hour work week, take a look at the acknowledgement section. You'll see my name. So Tim okay. actually interviewed me for one of the stories. It's just because I had a publishing company, I think the publisher said, hey, let's not use Mitchell's story, but Tim at least got me in as an acknowledgement. Okay, yeah. Um, so there, let me show you two examples of what you just talked about. So when I did this book, instead of actually having all of my content, I actually mm -hmm. interviewed four experts, four thought leaders okay. for a half hour each. Mm -hmm. So this guy runs thought leadership for Cisco. Teresa runs a, a group of a thousand other thought leaders. Uh, Robert Clancy has a half million followers on Facebook. And AHA number four that I read to you before, actually that was written by Robert Clancy. So okay. when you look through this book, you know, you could see that the, every quote has attribution to the author. And mm. so this is a book that has only 20% of the content in this book is mine. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, that's one cool. way to do it. And, and basically you could take your existing podcast, assuming you have permission and just pull the aha messages out of the yeah. existing podcast. Yeah. A here's another approach. This book is called the C-suite executives guide to success. Uh, it's from an organization that has 50,000 members and they actually also have the C-suite network. The C-suite network also has 200 plus C-suite network advisors. So Alex created a Google form with four or five questions, sent it out to the 200 advisors and say, please respond. 40 of them responded. Mm. And so this particular book, I, this will be hard to read and I'm showing this to people. I'm showing a list that has on both pages, the contributors to this book. And so what you could see if you looked in detail is that each one of the contributors had between one to four contributions, one to four aha messages in a book. But now we have a book that has 41 authors. So the answer is, yeah, it's, it's powerful to get a group of people together to come up with a collective piece of content, particularly if you can get that group to get excited about it. 
because if it's really their book, so in this book, this C-suite book, mm. it's a C-suite executive's guide to success. Mm. A number of the network advisors in the book bought copies of the book to give it to their clients. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that's pretty, what, so yeah, it's powerful. Awesome. And, yeah. and so Alex, what it comes back to is crafting the, the technology is easy to do. It's relatively straightforward. I'm happy to show you either on the air or at, or some other time. Mm-hmm. And, but what it comes down to is thinking about uh, architecturally, what are the right questions you want to ask so you, so you can pull out the right information that you, you want to pull. So it's either you go back to previous podcasts and you pull content from there, or you can create a survey form and ask people for questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why yeah, Tim Ferriss did for Tribe of Mentors. He sent emails. And I think in terms of um, the work you put into it versus the, <laughs> like the results you're going to get, it's, like, it's actually very smart, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, um, agreed. Quick question also on social media. Like, do you, do you use it much? And do you think it's a, a good way? I guess it depends on how you use it. But uh, sometimes people think, oh, there's so many influencers already on, let's say, Instagram, for example, that it's actually not that a great way to differentiate yourself versus like a book or a podcast or online courses. What, what, where do you think that fits in a strategy to being heard? Got it. It's a... It's actually a beautiful question because there are many people you're going to run into who say, ah, I'm not interested, but here's what you have to think about. In order to have somebody be a client of yours, they, they'll most likely need to be, to run into you and be influenced by you at least seven, sometimes 10 different times. So if I met you at a networking event and I go, God, Alex is really interesting. I think he could help me. Uh, and you give me your name or you give me your card or you text me your, your video card, the first thing I'm going to do is Google your name. Mm. And when I Google your name, the social media companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure that your name and their platform pops up. Mm. So what if you're not there at all? And I get other people with your name and I go, wow, this guy must not be important because he doesn't show up. Mm. Or what happens if your profile shows up but you haven't posted there in a year. I'm going to say, well, this guy, it's, he's not really interesting because he doesn't see importance. So it's not that you need to have the best social media platform in the world. It's not that you need to have hundreds of thousands of followers. Mm. What you need to have is something that presents you well. Yeah. So if you want to go through life as a, as a Volkswagen bug, present yourself like that. If you want to go through life as a Ferrari or a Bentley, present yourself like that. Mm. And there's no right or wrong of how you present yourself. What's, 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 not, what's not right, what is actually wrong is if you have a valuable service, if you have something you could give, and, I, and I'm going to say to the world, but I'm going to say it's whatever the small market of people that you serve, if mm. you have something to value, it is wrong not to make sure that they at least know who you are. Mm. Right? That's what, in today's world, you can touch anyone in the world. And you can't just, one day, Tim Ferriss didn't happen overnight. Tim Ferriss was from Silicon Valley. I knew Tim before Tim even wrote his first book. And he was a different person. The same fundamental concepts of who he was, was there. But nobody knew who he was, mm. right? And he just methodically went through 
and he started growing his audience and he kept getting bigger. But not everyone in the world needs to be the next Tim Ferriss, right? Or next Tony Robbins. You need to figure out who is the audience you want to address? Who is it that you want to serve and target that audience? So you don't need to have an Instagram following that goes after people who are not your audience. So go after your audience first. And then if it takes off beyond there, then you have choices. And those choices are fun to be able to make. And um, okay, well, that's really insightful. So thanks for that. And I have You're a question also on the TED Talk because uh, I think one of the main source of being an expert today is having a TED Talk, right? So how did you kind of manage to, do, to, to get a TED Talk? Was it kind of a goal or do you think it happens naturally when you, you know, start to get more heard? Uh, interesting. I, you know, it was, I've had a very fortunate life so far. Uh, I've done so many fun things. And there was actually a point in time I was asked by a u university to do a commencement speech. Now, the number of people who do commencement speeches are so small. And so technically, the value of a commencement speech should be so high But, you know, even though it's on my website, I get very few people who go, oh, my God, you did a commencement mm -hmm. speech. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Whereas the concept of TED and TEDx's um, are so broad and so well known. They've done such a great job of branding and getting their message out there that if you get the opportunity to do a TED talk or a TEDx talk, it's a great way to put a legacy piece in place. Mm -hmm. And so what you have to recognize, um, so I probably gave thousands of speeches before I did the TED Talk. I mean, thousands mm. of speeches. Mm. TED Talk is different, right? I don't like to memorize speeches. I, Alex, I don't think you're the same way. So when I get mm. in front of a group of people, whatever inspires me, boom. Um, mm. If I have a talk for a half hour, tell me the topic, boom. If I have to put slides together, I'll do them for reinforcement, but I, you know, the yeah. webinars with slides and all, it's not as much fun for me. I like to sort of, read the audience and, and give people what they want to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I talk to my friends who particularly have done successful TED Talks, mm. what they said to me was a couple things. <laughs> Practice to you know it like the back of your hand. And I know, Mitchell, you don't like to memorize talks, but you've got to memorize this and you have to know it like the back of your hand and just practice, practice, practice. Mm. So, Alex, I have to tell you, Did you do it? a couple magic words. Oh, it, it changes everything by the way. So, so I practice like there was no tomorrow. And I have to tell you a couple magic words. When you go to a conference venue, now you can't just go there and say it live, but if you know you're going to a conference and you call up the conference organizer and you, and you use this magic word, I'm giving a TED talk, can I practice? Everyone I said that to said yes. Mm -hmm. And so... The interesting part, I got to practice a lot, and I also did a bunch of this. I basically Zoom interviews with my friends. I said, can I practice my TED Talk? They said yes, and I'd ask for feedback. What happened is I had done the practicing for about a month. I thought I was ready to go. It was two weeks before the, before the actual TED Talk, and so I, mm -hmm. I was in front of a group of people. They were videotaping me. I gave the TED Talk, and I hated it. The reason I hated it is I had it mostly memorized but what happened is i gave the talk from my head not from my heart mm, yeah. and and i now 
the people in the room didn't seem to notice, but when they were giving me feedback, the things that I missed, mm. the things I didn't talk about, the thing it, were the things that said, hey, this is from my heart, not from my head. And so one of my friends mm. gave me some advice that I'll remember forever. And that is the day of the test. So, so basically it was the best present I could have ever had because then I really practiced hard and I remembered to, to talk from my heart, not from my head. And uh, so the day of the TED Talk, I did two things. So my wife told me, all right, honey, take a picture of yourself and make sure nothing's out of place. Okay, so I did that first. <laughs> and then my friend said, Mitchell, say to yourself, be the TED. And, and to me, what that meant was I needed to actually focus on Oh, hey, Rob, I'll have to come back to you since I'm recording for a live show. Um, if you could give us about 10 minutes, that'd be great. <laughs> Sorry about that, Alex. <laughs> so um, if, oh, by the way, that's a fun thing. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so what was interesting is to me, it just meant I needed to be present. Because when you do a TED Talk, I wanted to, I got so much pleasure out of being asked. I had so much fun practicing. I so enjoyed the talk itself. And now I'm enjoying the after effects of having a mm. legacy piece that people enjoy. And I think you just got to make sure you put in the effort to deliver the yeah. best you as a human possibly could. Mm. And do you think you could have uh, overthought it then if you prepared too much do you think there's a risk uh, or do you think it's fine to prepare it but just then you prepare it so well that you prepare it so you know what you're going to say but you also prepare well, how you know, deliver with your heart yeah you don't want to you don't want to be at the stage where it sounds like it's memorized you can't do that but let me tell you mm -hmm. what happened during my talk which if you watch my TED talk you won't be able to see it they gave me this clicker and one of the mm -hmm. buttons on the clicker causes the screen to go black. So I don't know why I got that type of clicker. And twice in my presentation, my thumb pressed the wrong button and the screen went black. Mm -hmm. Now, what I could tell you, because it was so comfortable and I knew where I was, I kept going without a beat. So the soundtrack didn't need to get modified. And because it was a three camera shot, they didn't need to show the screen when it went, when the screen went black. And, and I think that was just the part that I was comfortable, right? I felt good about what I was talking about. The, I knew who the audience was. And that's the one thing to think about when you're giving a Ted talk, the audience is not the people in the audience. I mean, you do want to have engagement. You do want to have interaction, mm -hmm. but the audience you're speaking to is the, audience on the camera it's on the other mm -hmm. side okay that's interesting because i you could think that thinking this might be a danger then for your presentation you know to to think too much about the people like for example when i do a podcast with you i know the end product is more the podcast in itself but i kind of like i find that uh it, it sounds better when i run it like a conversation oh it's a lot better as a conversation. And, and that got me too. So we're, we're using my Zoom room. Just for those people who are listening, we're also seeing each other, okay? <laughs> seeing each other is good because you see body language. And I've mm. got between 10 to sometimes uh, this week, I had 18 meetings in a day, all Zoom calls. So it's great to see people without actually leaving the comforts of my place, right? So here's what's interesting. 
somebody who my next meeting came on and they came on seven minutes early. And I think it's great <laughs> that they came on seven minutes early. And the thing is, the first time that happened to me, everyone got embarrassed. And so what I have to say is, you pretend it's like you're standing by the water cooler and somebody, you're having a conversation, somebody comes by and you go, great to see you. I know I'm going to be talking with you and don't worry about it. Um, you could stay here if you want, but let me finish up my conversation with Alex. And it's, we just don't, we don't, you know, if you have the water cooler, you understand it. If you're on Zoom, people get all panicked. So I just thought I'd mention it that some of the real world things that you do, those real world analogies also apply to the online world. And you just have to think about what, what's safe, what's comfortable, you know, making sure people feel happy with who they are and that they didn't make a mistake. And, you know, uh, whoever my next meeting is, um, he'll be eternally in this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I had a last question because yeah, you, you don't want to make a person wait too much. I know. Uh, I'm actually, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I wanted to ask you a little bit of feedback uh, for, for myself on the podcast, on the questions, and because uh, I think it's very valuable in general. Like I saw, for example, when we when we talk together, I really like it's very good. Like you know, you kind of compliment me. That's a beautiful question, and I guess that's really good. Um, I don't know if it's something you'll learn of that innate, but that makes the conversation really flow and really nice to have. So thanks for that. So yeah, I'd be really interested in, uh, in your feedback on, on our conversation. Oh, well, you know, it's a nice trick. I mean, because I have to think about what I, so yeah. I don't have canned, spe canned speeches, canned yeah. responses, and just what I love about you, you don't either, mm -hmm. right? Because if I'm you can have well. a conversation and you're being, the TED Talk is, how do people trust you? Well, you have to be vulnerable. You have to have integrity. You have to have authenticity. So when somebody asks me, how are you doing today? I actually think about it, right? And the answer I give is the answer that, how do I feel right now at this moment? And I don't want to give the pat answer. So when I'm, so, so the trick is, if you actually ask me a good question, saying, hey, that was a beautiful question, yeah. that gives me another second or two to think about my response. Um, and yeah, ju just and let's say, so yeah, my, my question will be feedback on, on this podcast, but let's say as you just did, more generally kind of advice to make such a conversation great and more flowy. I would say the, the most important thing any, anyone can do if you're running a podcast like this is mm -hmm. do enough research of the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And know generally the outcome you'd like to receive, you'd like to generate for your audience, right? So notice the first question I asked you, absolute first question. It wasn't like, hey, how can Mitchell Levy get his brand out? The first mm -hmm. question I asked you is, tell me how we can have a good experience so that your mm -hmm. audience benefits from what yeah. our conversation is. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, so as a guest on your show, I, yeah, it'd be great to get my brand out. Your job is to help me get my brand out, but do it in such a way where your audience goes, holy cow or holy shit, Mitchell, <laughs> he's a cool guy. Hey, Rob, stay, you could join us for a second. We're just wrapping <laughs> up a podcast, but you don't have to leave this time. Um, I'm just finishing something with Alex and uh, it, mostly it's verbal. So the those that are listening, guess what? We've got Rob and I with us, but um 
you don't need to speak because I'm just finishing with Alex. But let's <laughs> Alex and I finish up if if you don't mind. Yeah, well, let's Thanks. finish with uh, with with the brand. So how can people learn a little bit more about uh, what you're doing? What's the best way to follow you? <laughs> Beautiful, thank you. And and what I'll say to you, Alex, I whether or not we do business together or talk, I just so enjoyed interacting with you. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime and happy to give you thoughts and ideas. Well, thanks so much uh, for, for, for doing it and, and doing this, this uh, interview. It's really interesting for me. And oh, really honored, honored beyond belief. So uh, for those people who are looking for content to share on social media, uh, we have a platform, ahathat.com. It has 47,000 pieces of content. It's free to use, free to share. So please go to ahathat.com. If you're considering writing a book or would like us to write a book for you, go to ahathat.com slash author. You'll see video testimonials. You'll see a three-step writing process. And if you want to press the easy button, if you don't mind me being a little bit corny, <laughs> if you want me to press the easy button, um, we, we will do it for you. Uh, if you want to listen to AHA messages 24 hours a day, go to ahathatradio.com. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of interacting and touching, uh, touching me, what I want to do is make sure I, I play with you. I know that sounds bad, but I want to interact with you in the platform that you actually interact with. So as I said before, okay. if somebody Googles your name, they get to social media sites. So Google my name, Mitchell Levy, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, -L, last name L-E-V-Y. Uh, you'll most likely see my TED Talk. If you want to see my TED Talk, just do Mitchell Levy TED Talk. Um, but if you Google Mitchell Levy, the social media sites that you typically interact with will pop up. So connect mm -hmm. to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Snap, Instagram, and I'll try to interact with you on that platform and, and address your questions. And if there are things I've done before, how I, uh, how I expand myself is I'll direct you to videos of, of things where, where you could learn yourself and then you come back to me with better questions. Did that sound okay? Amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah that's, a, that's a, definitely a way to, to keep following your, your amazing work. So thanks so much. Michelle, is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap it up? No, Alex, I, I really enjoyed this. I'd love to continue the conversation with you regardless of the direction you go on, on the books you're putting together and, of course, your yeah. thought leadership because you've done such amazing things in the small amount of life you've had so far. <laughs> so you're going to go really far, and I'd love to be part of that. Thanks, Michelle. That's amazing, and we'll definitely keep talking because uh, I love your work. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you Thanks, to everyone. Have a, have a great one and let's stay, let's stay in contact. And, and the audience, uh, you guys, this guy's amazing. Give him the, give him the kudos <laughs> he needs. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Cheers.